STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. In a complex world, with complex societal grand challenges, it's important for our nation's youth to be equipped with the knowledge and skills to solve these tough challenges. Yet how we teach these is also under the microscope. STEM education is a passion of Tamara Homeland Nelson, a professor of science education on WSU's Vancouver campus. She explains what STEM ed is, along with some of the positive and negative issues surrounding it. Education Eclipse starts now. Covering all aspects of teaching and learning, educational leadership and psychology, kinesiology and sport management, it's Education Eclipse from Washington State University. Back here on Education Eclipse, and I'm joined by Tamara Homeland Nelson, Professor of Science Education here at WSU Vancouver. And let's talk about STEM education. We hear this all the time. We see it on Twitter, on Facebook, the university talks about it a lot. But for a lot of people, they might not know what STEM means. So just give us a really basic overview of what is STEM education. Depends on who's talking. Sure. You know, when we hear about it in the newspaper and proclamations from the White House and um, on all kinds of websites, it, they're usually referring to our nation needs to be more competitive globally. So we need more scientists and engineers and computers computer scientists and innovators. And so it's really about um, getting more people into that pipeline and graduating and having those professional careers. When you talk to people in K-12, it's a different story. They're, so STEM means science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. I've been trying to figure out what people mean when they say STEM yeah. education because all these schools are now opening as STEM schools. In the Tri-Cities area, there's a lot of elementary schools now that are either rebranding themselves as a STEM school or they're opening up new schools and calling them STEM schools. Really? Yeah. Public? Yeah. Yeah. Really? We have a STEM, a 612 STEM school here in Vancouver. There's the, f one of the f most, I think one of the most famous and probably one of the first STEM schools in Washington is Delta High School sure. in Tri-Cities. There's a bunch in the Seattle area. I mean, Everywhere. So like Aviation High School, for example. Exactly, exactly. And some are exclusive, like you have to apply and you have to have good grades in science sure. and math. And some are, the, kind of the trend is to be inclusive, so anybody can go. Um, the elementary schools tend to be more, you know, your local neighborhood kind of school mm -hmm. thing. High schools, like the one here, is an inclusive school, so kids, all they have to do is just say, I want to come. And then there's a lottery system, and that lottery is by zip code so that there's a fair representation from what the district looks like writ large that school will also look like so comes back to kind of that competitive piece that we want we want to produce more professionals in those fields but also there's a I think at k-12 the passion is more we want all our kids to have these great opportunities because we know we live in this world that um, is highly technological you need a lot of sort of savvy and thinking scientifically or understanding scientific principles anyway and to be able to use some numbers a little bit um, and to innovate and create and and that's kind of the engineering piece I think and the technology piece and so teachers at that level and parents you know at a community level are really like my kids need these opportunities too and so that's a little bit of the drive for STEM education is people are thinking that um, 
it should be for everybody, not just for kids who kind of select out or families who select out their kids and send them to a special place. See, I always knew about the high schools. This surprises me with the elementary schools that they're, that they're doing that. I mean, we've had technical schools for a long time, and in many regards, a lot of technical schools work very well for some kids. And so it made sense when I heard of this, this, these STEM schools. I had never knew about the elementary schools, so that's really interesting. It's pretty recent. I'm talking last five years, really, that it's kind of a thing. I think that... Did they just leave out the arts? I mean, is, or did they learn how to well, integrate right. that? Or or is it a STEAM school? A lot of right. people put an A in there, and then doesn't it just become like what we do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think... So I'm going to say this really early on because this is... I've been working on research on STEM school okay. implementation, or STEM education implementation for about five years now. And the thing I have come to realize is that science at elementary school, I'm calling it random acts of science. Very little science that happens at elementary level. And kids get tested every year in language arts and math, so what gets tested is what gets taught, right? Sure. There's a fifth grade science test that most schools I'm finding don't really care. Or they just put it all on the fifth grade teacher, like get your kids up five years of science this year so they can pass this test. So in any school, and so we've been working in very small schools, like maybe eight teachers, and pretty big, like 30 elementary teachers. And it doesn't seem to matter if it's eight or 30 teachers, there's only one or two who regularly do science with their kids. Which means they're teaching kids inquiry and even argument how to defend positions and... Well, yeah. See, you could, do, you could do a lot of those English language arts standards through science. I'm, I'm actually coming to believe that if we... I'm, I'm coming to think that STEM education, a good place to start is just try to achieve the next generation science standards for your grade level across K-12. And that would be good STEM education because the new next-gen science standards, which came out, we adopted in 2013, they have a ton of engineering in there. A lot of, um, so a lot of, a lot of elementary schools are conceptualizing STEM education as, let's do this engineering design thing, which is more or less rich for kids. Sometimes it's just what I call activity mania. Like they were just getting a bunch of recycled <laughs> stuff and we're going to create a new arm for somebody or, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit loosey-goosey. Um, other places are doing some really, really targeted things to help kids think about how do we address problems or desires of humans or how do we just innovate and create and make something new and exciting. And so they're really getting kids to, to sort of work on those 21st century skills like collaborating and creating and critical thinking and community and persevering and problem solving. So a lot of, a lot of folks um, at K-12 are see, saying, well, STEM education is really good for 21st century skills. And what we're seeing with those kinds of engineering design challenges, yeah, but there's not really any science or math in there. It's mm -hmm. just doing stuff, which can have some benefits. You know, we want our kids to be able to do those things. And the perseverance is amazing. Teachers are coming back after doing one of these engineering design challenges going, I can't believe. The kids keep, I did, my pre-service teachers just did this um, a couple, this month and then they presented at National Science Teachers Association last Thursday. 
And they're like, these second graders and fifth graders, they were just trying so hard and nothing was working and nothing working. And they just kept trying. They wanted to do it over and over and over again. So they get really motivated by it. And teachers are also finding kids that, here's that equity thing, that kids who aren't real traditional learners and kind of start falling out of math and don't ever really see themselves in science, when you come in at it through this sort of real world problem solving approach, they get really jazzed about it. And they tend to be out of the box thinkers or just coming at it from a different perspective instead of sort of a linear, I gotta start with the facts and be deductive, they're a little more inductive. Mm -hmm. So they're seeing a lot of really great opportunities for kids. So back to where I started is that that's all in the next gen science standards. The way they're written is as performance expectations for kids. They're about kids modeling and creating and applying scientific principles and concepts and ways of doing to um, creating or figuring out things that are in the real world. And they also have a lot of math in them. So from the research we've done so far, that's kind of where I'm at right now and just saying, just if you could do good NGSS, you're gonna be doing STEM education. Where are we falling short? We obviously haven't figured all of it out or we wouldn't be doing research anymore. I mean, we, right. there must be inherent in all of this that we're just, we're not cutting it in some way. Well, first of all, people still don't have any agreement on what STEM education means. Okay. So I, I asked, I interviewed and asked people to concept map what STEM education means to them, 34 people, um, teachers, six through 12 teachers, administrators and professional development providers. And there were four things that were 50% or more had on their concept maps and talked about. So it's some kind of interdisciplinary approach to learning, okay. whether that's just science and math or whether it's this steamy thing or <laughs> um, you know, any combination of things, but something interdisciplinary connected to some real world application or problem solving. And really interesting is that like 74% of the people said it also means that teaching has to really change. That it's less about the teacher giving kids information and content and it's more about kids doing things and the teacher is really supporting that and knowing their content well enough to know like how to take those just activity mania kinds of things and make them have real rich content in there. But other than that, people were kind of like, what I thought was really interesting is less than 20% of people included technology in their mm. conceptualization of STEM education, although it's one of the letters. And I think it's because we're always in school so far behind on technology, um, just because it's expensive, it changes. There's other things that are on the forefront of what teachers deal with and getting, um, like how do you help kids code and how can we, how can kids write programs to work on this, pro this real world problem? It's just like, you know, we don't have time to do that tech part, we're just gonna, do this recycled materials thing. I think that's a part of STEM education that people are trying to figure out. You might have a teacher who learns an incredible amount, gets out of school, now they're so busy doing the day-to-day -day stuff, teaching kids, they don't have time to learn necessarily new technologies. Professional development, I, I would guess, plays into that. It's huge, it's huge. And I think that one of the places where we're seeing some really powerful things happen related to that is that teachers don't have time to do all that. They also um, don't have sometimes the, the background knowledge and they also don't have the imperative because the kids are getting tested on something else. So 
we've had math teachers say, man, we would so love to, ha to do this interdisciplinary thing, but for me to get my kids to pass the test, I've got to, every day is important, every minute's important, I've got all the stuff I have to give them. But um, one of the things that we're seeing is that partnerships with professionals in the community has been a really powerful way to bring in that technology piece or that real world application. Like I know my content, but I don't really know how this fits out in the real world and something my kids could do. So at the high school level, lots of internships, but even at elementary and middle and high school, having relationships with wildlife biologists and engineers in the community and um, parents who code and that kind of thing. Parents are coming in and doing clubs. They're, it's not just like the expert comes in for an hour and gives a presentation to your kids, but when the kids are really working on projects, those people serve as consultants for the kids. Like so a really cool example was at iTech here in Vancouver. They had, you know that, that TV show Shark Tank? Absolutely. Well, they did that with the kids and the kids had to come up with a problem. Like one girl loved horses and she hated how the bits always rubbed horses' mouths raw. Mm -hmm. So she was trying to create a new bit for a horse's mouth. Oh. Um, and then there were just all kinds of things. And the kids had to present at a kind of like a science fair thing. And from that, professionals in the engineers, my husband's a designer, he was one of the judges. Um, so people with some expertise came in and judged and then actually it might have been the teachers that judged at that point and they picked like the top 25 and then the top 25 actually presented to engineers and designers like in a shark tank thing and had to convince the judges like which one was it worth funding that's really neat and it's a science fair type fair that it's not a volcano with baking soda and vinegar. I always tell my students, I don't want to ever see that happen in your classroom. <laughs> I mean, those are great for some preschool, you know, fun activities. But <laughs> one reason that I did not have any attraction to math in high school was because I never saw any kind of real world application. I took a tour of uh, Pullman High School last week. I am amazed at some of the stuff that they are doing in high school, at least that high school, that we never had that opportunity that kind of thing at all and a lot of it is with technology they have a full like tv studio they have their media class these kids are doing photoshop and doing other things that they're they're better than i am and i use it all the time yeah i thought they're getting actual real good hands-on experience now those are two examples that you might deem as part of the arts so are they doing a really good job with the science i don't know i, I didn't see the science part of it but i did go into the shop and they were doing some really neat things in the shop. They were it was a welding class, but I thought, man, this is this is incredible. How do you s standardize this and make sure that all schools have different opportunities? And I mean, this seems like a pretty complex thing. Well, that's really interesting because vocational education is now called career and technical education (CTE), and it's becoming that kind of thing. I mean, just re there's a lot of money. So they get a lot of that equipment, a lot of 3D printers and um, modeling tools, and then the traditional welding and that kind of thing as well. And so in many places, STEM education is like, is in CTE, they're taking ownership of that. But on the other side, like I've been working at one school where five of the six science teachers are getting their CTE certification. And that's happening across the state mm -hmm. because once is, there's always been this tension between science and CTE. I remember from when I was teaching high school as well that like 
we don't want kids to get their, I'm speaking as a science or math teacher, right, we don't right. want kids to get their science and math credits in CTE or in vocational ed because we don't know what the content is over there and we don't think it meets our standards over here. So we're keeping science and math separate. Well, you probably remember from your experiences in school that you kind of get different types of kids going into those vocational programs versus the higher level math and science. Mm -hmm. and. Oftentimes that's because of role models in their family and, and what their families have traditionally done. Sometimes it's because kids got kind of tracked out of doing science and math. Oftentimes school. way too early. Way too early, yep. Right. Again, no elementary science. So mm -hmm. by the time you get to middle school, you're worried about your identity. You don't want to be a science nerd and yet you that's might have loved it. Mm -hmm. So anyway, CTE is, is um, got a, kind of a lot of money. so. And science now with the new standards, they're saying, oh, we see that there's like some really nice overlap and we could work together. So we're seeing a lot of collaboration between CTE and science teachers. Again, STEM education seems to be coming in a little bit more through science because of the next gen standards and through CTE as opposed to through math or some other avenue when you get to the high school, middle school, high school level. Yeah, so I think that CTE always had that real-world application to it, you know. Right, so, right. so it's just a matter of sort of checking the content, making sure kids are really understanding the math and science that they're using and creating those real things that they do in CTE. So it becomes, I mean, like you say, they can graduate high school and go work at design studios or TV stations because they've just done it really well. But we want to make sure that they could also, if they wanted to, get into engineering school or get into WSU. Somebody, let's say they either have a propensity or have been told and tracked into something. You're really good at engineering, for example, and so you are expected now to be an engineer or you want to be an engineer. We're not telling many of these students that it's okay to be a teacher. Like, you're good at engineering. That means you can teach engineering if you wanted. Except you you're going to make like 20% of what you would make as an engineer. Okay. So therein <laughs> lies one of the problems. Yeah, yeah. We're also telling them pretty early that it's all about money. That's right. That would be a societal issue. Right. So let's talk about women in STEM or girls in STEM because that's another thing that we, we talk often about. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that it's a numbers game and then, of course, the salaries is something that's talked about. But... Are we falling that much short or is having this on the forefront of our talking points helping at least combat that problem? It's a huge driver for the STEM education movement. Um, both women and black students, Native American students, Latino, Latina students are just incredibly underrepresented in engineering or computer science especially or the physical sciences. Um, Women are overrepresented in biological life sciences mm. and pretty equal, I think, if not a little bit higher in the earth sciences. But those aren't the places where the money is, right? The money seems to be in engineering and computer sciences right now. And there's a real big push. I mean, Noel Schultz, our um, first lady of WSU, is an engineer and she's really pushing for women in, in engineering. When I was at the UW in my grad program, the dean of the engineering school was the only female dean in the United States of an engineering school. Wow. There's a long way yet to go. 
but STEM education, again, I think one of the, the main foci, and we didn't see it much in people's concept maps, but we're hearing it now in schools is it opens, if we, if we start it young, it opens the door for all kids because it is, you know, again, those kind of application, real world problems. Kids might come in through art, they might come in through a concern in their neighborhood or in their family, or um, they come in because they love something different. They don't really say, they don't really say I love math or I love science, but I love, I love thinking about how to solve problems. And so it gets them into it and then they start learning those other things that are important to keep going in it. It occurs to me this is something we could talk for months about. Months and months. <laughs> this is so complex. It's really systemic. Yeah. I, I was thinking oh, yeah. about what I wanted to talk to you about today or what questions to give you. And I'm like, yeah, but that leads to that because it's about this. And, you know, it, it is. It's this national Hey, let's talk thing. for a couple <laughs> minutes about STEM education. <laughs> All right. It's like let's talk yeah. for a couple minutes about the problems in politics. Yeah, yeah that sounds like a really attainable thing. You always have struck me as somebody who has a, a very open mind um, about learning new things and, and um, you know, systemically where, where can we improve, being willing to improve the continuous quality improvement. Um, so I, I really appreciate that. Let me ask you one last question because you said something about the UW. Let's talk about the Apple Cup. So, so you went to the UW? Sorry, so, yeah, <laughs> but I'm a cougar. Where, okay, I was going to say, where is your heart? And I'm what color do you bleed? I'm a gooey duck, and that's really uh, Evergreen, yeah. okay. <laughs> so a gooey duck. Well, so that's where you did your undergrad? Yes. Okay, yeah. Yes. I think and then I was a Viking, so. So you went to like seven colleges, yeah. basically. <laughs> you know, by the time you get to this point, you've done a lot of schooling. Okay, so you didn't like flunk out or anything. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I found the same thing with grad school. I enjoyed my time at Syracuse, but... But you really, the, it's the undergraduate experience. It was my, my WSU time. That's who you root for. Oh, you were a Coug as I was a Coug for two years, yeah. So I transferred in. So You're definitely a I'm a Coug. Coug. Yeah, no, yeah. no doubt. You know, I've been here for 14 years now. That's a lot longer than I was at UW, so i got to be a Coug. Okay, good. <laughs> I was, was going to make sure we didn't have to delete our whole podcast and <laughs> yeah. start over again. Well, Tamara, thank you very much. I know we're going to have to talk to you again. Um, very soon about all kinds of stuff. So thank you very much for joining. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to Education Eclipse, a College of Education podcast from Washington State University.